It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. I just want to welcome you back to the podcast and, uh, you know, thank you for coming on to talk to me about Element 11, Emergency Preparedness today. No, thank you. I, I really uh, enjoy this element. It's one of the ones that I, uh, that I personally like in the whole series. That's awesome. And you know what? It sounds like maybe some of your, your background um, in uh, emergency response might have something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it may have some to do with it. And But overall, for safety systems, um, this is one of the critical parts that we think nothing ever goes wrong. But um, for the safety professionals out there, if nothing went wrong, uh, we're not prepared for it. Um, I, I don't know how, how long we'd be in business. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay, so um, I guess we'll start off with uh, right off the top here and um, head through each question. All right. Sounds good. Okay, so um, 11.1. Do documented emergency preparedness and emergency response plans include the most appropriate responses to identify hazards and address the potential for emergency situations? Okay, so this is one of the biggest questions um, overall for points in in core, and it has two different document or two different uh, validation techniques, documentation and observation. But mm-hmm. as we get into this element, I just want to um, just point out that a lot of this was built, as I was talking in my my intro before about going through the different changes we've had in core. Uh, in back in 2015, this one was built on the CSA standard for emergency and continuity management program. This whole element, and uh, as this whole element, yeah, yeah, a lot of the questions, um, and you'll see they, they do follow quite the same flow within the core 2020 program as well. Mm-hmm. So as we go through this, um, Stacey, like I'm going to say always go back to the core guidelines to take a look at what it is and the actual question. Um, and I'll relate to this is, do the plans include the most appropriate responses to identified hazards? Mm-hmm. Um, so Again, we're going to look at documentation and observation for the validation technique is six total points for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would answer this, obviously, like you said, according to the core guidelines. And then uh, what exactly would we be looking for um, in terms of the submission? Okay, so for the submission, um, we're, we are looking for sampling from the office shop and a sampling from the observation ratios that are in the, the instructions for completing course. So mm-hmm. if you've gone to three sites, six sites, 10 sites, uh, we're expecting your observations to be in check with those ones. Right. Um, now with the observations, just want to point out that um, the observations is, it's not necessarily, hey, I saw the ERP posted. Mm-hmm. It's trying to answer the question, is the observations, do your uh, emergency response plans that are at the sites or shopper office actually address the identified hazards. So your observations are, yeah, we, we did go to sites. We saw the hazard and match up with the ERP, not the program was posted. So just, just food for thought as you're going through it, it's worth two marks, but what did you observe on site and did the emergency response plan validate those? Right. And I know, uh, you know, just to build off what you're saying there, for myself, when I'm reviewing this question, a lot of times I'll see that the uh, internal auditor um, has just submitted a portion of the health and safety manual um, that talks about emergency response, but uh, like just in general, but that's not what we're looking for here. We're looking for actual um, an actual emergency response plan in order for us to evaluate it here in this question, correct? Uh, yes, Stacey, when we take a look at the, the question again, it's um, 
doesn't include the most appropriate responses. So quite often um, for the internal auditor, they should be evaluating, does our program meet certain requirements? And, and just in general, uh, there's generic programs that are out there that deal with generic items such as fire, medical, uh, maybe spills along those lines. But what are your company specific risks? So if I go back to the question and says, does it include the most appropriate responses to identified hazards? Mm-hmm. It might be a good idea to go back and just take a look at your element too and say, well, what did we as a company identify as our critical tasks? Because those would be some of the identified hazards. And if we looked at the critical tasks, you yourself as for your company identified that certain items may have a high uh, probability of happening. Mm -hmm. It did happen. There was a, a high consequence or severity to it. So why wouldn't we add those ones that we've already self-evaluated saying that uh, maybe we work at heights and we just find working at heights as a critical task that maybe we had uh, those tasks involved in the ERP in addition to fire, uh, medical spills, things that may happen. And right. what are we going to do in case those happen? Okay. So obviously, you know, mo- all the ERP should have the, the most typical uh, items like you said, the fire, uh, medical, et cetera. But then I'll, I'll tie it back into your company and what you've identified as uh, as a as a hazardous uh, activity. So could you give me? You said working at heights. Can you give any other um, examples of what that might be? Yeah, so so again, I go back to your critical task list. There may there may be things like uh, working at heights. Mm-hmm. There may be um, say for example, one of our critical tasks is ground disturbance, and we're digging up uh, around pipes or underground utilities. You may want to have something what happens if we did um, hit an electrical utility or an underground plant right um, also right in legislation there would be responsibilities to have a, a rescue plan for say working at heights if mm-hmm. that was a critical task or confined space maybe we would have a confined space rescue plan that would be part of the erp for those particular sites or it could even be your office and shop say for example confined spaces uh, you're an asphalt uh, company and you and you do have an asphalt plant and you may have uh, opportunities to go into the plant that may or may not be a confined space. Mm-hmm. Okay, this perfect. This as part of it. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for your help with that. Um, move on to question 11.2. Do the plans include the input and approval of relevant interested parties? So again, this question, um, it's not a legislated question, but there is basis in legislation. And one part I can just refer back to again is just remember that CSA standard. If you could take a look uh, at it, if um, people listening want some um, ideas and they are uh, companies that maybe are in different provinces, the CSA standard would be a great one to follow for this. But um, for the input and approval of relevant interested parties, um, who else is interested in your plan. So if you are the constructor, um, there is a requirement in legislation. And again, this question isn't legislated, but uh, that the constructor does a establishes a project written procedures to follow in the event of an emergency. Um, but the input and approval, um, section 17.2 would talk about that they have to review the emergency res- uh, procedures with the Joint Health and Safety Committee or the Health and Safety Committee of the uh, rep for the uh, the project itself. Mm-hmm. Now, these may be interested, relevant uh, parties. Now, if I'm a subcontractor, um, the constructor may be interested in your emergency response plan because they 
they may not, not be doing the specialized work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And could you get approval for those? Sometimes um, they will ask for it in advance and ask you to make changes to your yeah. plan so that it coincides with their plan. Yep. But who else is involved? Um, you may also have, and, and again, just thinking bigger picture than just safety is uh, I'm doing some work and maybe there's environmental issues and uh, the ministry environment may be uh, interested or neighbors uh, that may have interest in what you're doing and getting their uh, their approval to do work. And I'm not saying neighbors as uh, my personal neighbors, but neighbors <laughs> as neighboring properties that may have some interest in the emergency response plans. Um, some people also take a look at their local fire departments and would say, hey, could you come to our project as we're setting it up? Yeah. Um, do you have any any input for this? Yeah. And those are great pieces of information. Um, one, one thing I always uh, discuss with um, internal auditors is, you know, you were talking kind of, you know, about you know the construction sites but um when i say you know where is your head office is your head office located in like an industrial complex is it located in a building do you does your building have certain requirements that you need to be aware of for your emergency response plan you know things like that um is the building wanting to sign off on your emergency response plan so um all those things should be taken into consideration oh for sure there, there's quite a few uh, different parts to this program but um, it, again just in general like the auditor should be going back and taking a look at what it, what is it that we need and how does our plan coincide with the other people within the office mm -hmm. um, multiple floors you may just have a floor of a building or uh, you're doing something storing some chemicals that are weird and wacky and mm -hmm. you want to make sure that in the event we have a spill hey, everybody knows what this alarm means it doesn't right. mean go to the backyard where the spill might be mm -hmm. it means get move yourself out of the way out of the way yeah for sure okay um so i just want to point out that um, sometimes here I'll, I'll see a submission error um, where the firm uh, doesn't follow the guidelines that are outlined in the core handbook uh, and submit the required three samples of evidence but instead they'll just give again a portion of their health and safety manual um, that might be signed off or maybe just like a template of an emergency response plan that's signed off by management um, but again i just wanted to reiterate that, you know, follow the core handbook and make sure that we are getting um, three samples of emergency response plans and that it has identified uh, input approval from relevant parties. It, it is a typical problem I've seen over the years and uh, the, with the generic ERP, sometimes a senior project manager or someone signs off on it. Mm -hmm. Um, or more typically, I've been seeing lately is uh, the management review process signs off on the ERP and says it's good to go in January of uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. Here's all the projects we went to, and there is no um, no sign-offs for these future ones because we have a generic one, fire, spills, and, mm -hmm. and uh, medical. But it, a great way to get around this is when you're writing your procedure in your manual or your management system for ERPs, identify when these things need to be reviewed, who needs to review them and go through that process for each site. Because if the project managers are the ones who are given the ultimate authority for the site, should they not be aware of the ERP and their responsibilities and maybe some training responsibilities in there as well? Yeah. Um, because they're, they're given the, the responsibility for it from the company, they're res now responsible for that site. They yeah. should have some input. They should have some approval. And of course, they want to have other people's approval as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, 11.3. Do the plans define the roles and responsibilities of relevant personnel and include training and emergency procedures? So this question here, it's kind of tying into what you're just talking about, about uh, 
some rules and responsibilities in terms of project managers. But um, this question, there's really you know, two portions of this question. So we're gonna address them separately. Um, the first portion of the question um, being, uh, do the plans define the rules and responsibilities? Yeah, so uh, again, when we get into those plans, now that they're not just uh, fire, medical or spills, and it, it could be that for say the office, but when we take a look in there and go, well, who's responsible for these? So we, we actually, um, I'd go back to your procedure and go, okay, who is, who's responsible for these? And here's the site specific, or let's just say the office specific one. And um, Johnny, Mary and Martha are in charge of the, um, uh, the fire extinguishers uh, if they're in the in case of a fire, mm -hmm. they're going to take care of it. So we have that listed in there and we could provide some training um, in accordance with, are they trained in fire extinguishers mm -hmm. or first aid? Then we get to the sites and it may be the site supervisors are always going to be the first aider on site. Well, we would put that in there and make sure that, hey, the site super is this and could we provide their training records for the first aid? Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, it's, it's just if we're able to show who is the relevant uh, people on site for the rules that are identified in the emergency response plan, mm -hmm. it's, it's up to the auditor to choose what they want to bring forward. But um, you could start right there going, hey, we have here's we have three sites. Here's the first aider named on the site. That's their responsibility. And here's their proof of training. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, kind of went into the, the second part of the question there, which was the, the training that's required. Um, so the question, the second part of the question was referring to the training and emergency procedures. So you're saying that uh, if you have somebody who's identified as the first aider, um, then provide proof that they have been trained in that first aid. Yeah, it would be perfect if we had those, uh, because then we're showing as you're auditing your program going, oh, we have them there. Because if they're not mm -hmm. uh, trained, then, oh, well, maybe either we go get them trained or there's somebody else on site who should be in, in the event of an emergency. Uh, to run around, first off, nobody's going to be quite sure what's going on. The adrenaline's pumping, mm -hmm. and we may uh, go to uh, that that sign on site that says who the first aider is, and they're not there. They're not trained in first aid, so we're wasting critical time. Right. But part of your your information uh, should be up to date, current, and available for everybody. And that's what you're auditing, and we're just verifying that hey, these match up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. We'll just move on to 11.4. Is an appropriate emergency communication system in place? So this one again has uh, two verification techniques, but it's uh, they're, they're not separate and distinct. So it's observation and interviewer for this. And um, just so everybody's aware that in uh, section 18 of the construction regs, it talks about a constructor shall ensure that every worker, so subcontracted workers or their own employees um, has access to telephone, two-way radio, or other system of two-way communication. Mm -hmm. um, so as you're doing your audit, if you're a constructor, this is what you're going to be verifying that you, you have in place. If you're a subcontractor um, or, or an employer on those sites, is this available on there? Or do we make this available to our own, um, our own workers? Mm -hmm. So what did you guys... Uh, and we're, again, looking at that piece of legislation. It is a legislative question. Mm -hmm. um, and... Any, uh, if, you, if you are providing, because the core handbook does talk about provide detail to what you observed mm -hmm. or uh, photographs. Photographs do help uh, help us see what's there, but air horns, um, it wouldn't be relevant to two-way communication for, for people on site or, or pole stations. 
uh, but they are a, a valuable part of the emergency response uh, communication system. I, I'm not discounting those, but the legislation's looking for, uh, do you have this? And it's, um, you just have to keep in mind that uh, the city of Toronto, for a lot of the clients I'm dealing with, is hey, we've got a lot of things that are available here. Mm -hmm. The legislation's dealing with the province of Ontario. So um, sometimes two-way communication could be CB radios, uh, could be other things as, as well. But right. do you have access to this in the event of an emergency? Okay, so um, the typical response here, like you said, would probably be access to cell phones or, or radios. Yeah, and and again, through the interview process, you can you can verify that you know a lot of workers will be aware of hey, there's there are air horns for specific emergencies or to get everybody's attention to mm -hmm. to move throughout the project. But uh, part of the emergency communication systems is to access help according to the ERP as well, or how do I get a hold of uh, that first aider who may be on a different part of the project? Do we have two-way communication, or are they aware of their, their responsibility? So, so again, linking all the questions back. Yeah. This may be part of the ERP in question 11.1. .1. It may be part of the training that's required as part of 11.3. Uh, okay, perfect. 11.5, uh, has the plan been tested for deficiencies and corrective action taken if necessary? Okay, but again, going back to the CSA standard, there there is uh, requirements for this within the CSA standard. Mm -hmm. But for the core handbook, there's also requirements asking that we, we get at least uh, three samples. And then that's including the office and shop, uh, the sites as applicable. Now, according to the ERP, again, if you're writing your, your emergency response plan, should there be um, a test in there? And I, I'd say yes. And when when's a good time to do a test? I would think if you were doing the test and say the project managers are signing off on these uh, these project specific emergency response plans, mm -hmm. it might be a good idea to do it early on in the project mm -hmm. uh, because you may find that, hey, we don't have a spill kit on site or we don't have uh, first aid kits or something as you're doing as part of your drill. Right. You know, um, when you go through here like and you're doing these sampling a perfect uh, emergency response plan drill uh, isn't necessarily what you're looking for and this is just in my opinion going hey a, a failed emergency response test is not a negative it's uh, we we weren't prepared for this what does the system need to do mm -hmm. to uh, to go uh, to increase the performance of the emergency response plan and make it, hey we don't have any first aiders on site great okay let's fix that and right. move on forward um, and, and some of the issues with this one is um, that a lot of times we, we get very limited documentation or no documentation at all, or we did hold a, an emergency response uh, test three years ago. And, and it was one time at the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, or, um, you know, there, there's multiple ways to do an ERP. And uh, I, I've had over the years just uh, for a sidebar's constructor saying, hey, we can't shut down this whole site uh, because we'll have um, news media show up because of the the high impact uh, or high notoriety of our site that we have. Oh. And there's nothing that says you should shut down your whole site. But you can do, uh, and I've mentioned a few people say, kick over a can of water and say, hey, it's um, it's 100 liters of diesel. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Go. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there, you, you can be inventive with this, yeah. but uh, we're not asking out of this to shut down sites and uh, and shut down production. There are, there are ways to do it. And I've seen very uh, a few clients actually come up with some really inventive ideas for these, and it's still a test. 
Right. Okay. Um, so just uh, to bring up in terms of submission, um, some submission errors, I guess, I was just going to say that um, sometimes, like we said, we just see one example of uh, an ERP being tested it might be out of date, you know, it happened a long time ago, or something that doesn't have a lot of information on it, or maybe no deficiencies were noted, no corrective actions taken. Um, and, you know, this is kind of like, you know, uh, doing inspections, you know, we're not looking to see something that is a perfect inspection, or in this case, a perfect um, test being done. We're just looking to see that it's being done and that things are being identified if they need to, right? So um, something that is noting deficiencies and then noting that, oh, yeah, we, we replaced, you know, this, we brought the spill kit to site or, you know, we noticed that our fire extinguisher was whatever, missing or something like that, you know, or it took people way too long to respond to the, <laughs> to the drill, you know, something like that. We're just looking to make sure and see that, um, you know, something is being done and, and corrective actions are being taken. Yeah, and it's it's right in the question um, asking for have you tested for deficiencies and corrective action taken, if any. So, um, I, again, just from some of my previous uh, experience, when an incident happens, nine times out of ten, people aren't prepared. And mm -hmm. why aren't they prepared? Because they're not testing their systems to see if it's prepared beyond, uh, hey, everybody, it's Friday at three o'clock. Um, that's I'm going to blow the horn and we're all going to walk to the end and right. uh, or to the muster point and leave because it's Friday at three o'clock and it's a nice day. Yeah. And that um, doesn't really, that kind of plan doesn't really have add a lot of value, right? You're not really <laughs> being able to test anything. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that you did a test great, but is it, is it relevant to what you're doing? Uh, does it have any, did anything fail in it? And, and this is, again, it's, it's a management system audit. Mm -hmm. So, of course, management wants to hear that everything went well, but also if there was a deficiency, okay, are we are we correcting it so it's not a deficiency when things do go wrong? Because that's when people are the the adrenaline's running and they're not thinking necessarily straight. And they go, I know where a fire extinguisher is. It's a thousand meters to my left because I know where one fire extinguisher is. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there's one five feet away, but they in their mind they're going to go run there and come back mm -hmm. the fire extinguisher for the little fire that was they could have put out so these people do uh do step up in in emergency situations but also we want the people who are trained and uh, the relevant people to have a a place in there and go if if something wasn't available or they did they weren't prepared for it mm -hmm. hey we know in advance while we're doing a test right okay uh 11.6 are the appropriate number and type of fire extinguishers at marked locations so this is an interesting one um, as, as we go through it like there, there is a legislative compliance to it and and for our um, our purposes we're, we're talking about some of the legislation that's in the construction regulations so it does talk about in section 52 that fire extinguishing equipment shall be provided at readily accessible adequately marked locations at a project so we're, we're looking for two validation techniques one is um, documentation of this mm -hmm. so documentation may show in again in your ERP where uh, typical fire extinguishers would be located. Um, but then there's also section 53 that says it's, it shall be of a suitable type, um, a size and type to permit the evacuation during a fire. And it does indicate that they shall be at least uh, for a 40 BC. So we're looking for references to this in your ERP. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, we, we do get office um, plans that say here's where a couple of fire extinguishers are and here's a couple pictures of the fire extinguishers at the office mm -hmm. but it might 
um, as as much as uh, everyone says, hey, we love the people in the office, we look at also where we're making money uh, for these sites. Mm -hmm. And at the sites, we should have uh, this this as part of our emergency response plan. So it depends on the type of work that you do. Mm -hmm. But uh, for a lot of clients saying, hey, on the documentation, if you can tell us where it should be, we, we do understand that from time to time, fire extinguishers uh, do evolve. They grow some legs and they move around the site. Mm -hmm. But where should they be and what is the proper sizing of them? Right. And the minimum size is 4A, 40BC. Correct. Okay. Okay. So typically, people do forget that there are two validation techniques. So um, just keep that in mind for, for how you're answering. We are looking for documentation to back up what you, what you have. And then when we do see um, some of the observations, either they forget to add in the observation comment. So when we have two validation techniques, it's um, the, the score kind of goes a little bit sideways because if we don't have the observation note or pictures, we can't move forward. Yeah. And a lot of times the, the pictures of the fire extinguishers they're probably not in context and they're undersized mm -hmm. and it's something that we can see in the pictures. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, you pointed out those two validation techniques um, in this uh, element in particular, there are a lot of observation um, validations. Um, and if people forget them or, you know, uh, don't answer them, then this could heavily impact their scoring throughout this element. So I just want to point that out too. Um, Okay, 11.7 are workers who are required to use fire extinguishers trained on how to use them. This is a, a fairly straightforward uh, question in there, but we're, we're actually looking for records of, of training. So just so everybody's aware that in, um, in the construction regs, it does talk about every worker who may be required to use fire extinguishers shall mm -hmm. be trained in its use. But there really isn't a definition for what training is. So we, we do see quite often uh, PowerPoint presentations that say, here's uh, here's a fire extinguisher in it. And then they may put the pass in there or here's a topic that we talked about. But we would need uh, records to say that somebody was trained on it. So Johnny, Mary, Martha mm -hmm. are their names on something or the orientation that backs up that that PowerPoint slide, something to help us go through there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a fairly straightforward one. Just keep in mind that although in, in core, this isn't legislation, uh, doesn't have a legislative part to it. A lot of these questions throughout the whole core audit, they're, they're based in legislation. So that's where you would find the requirement for this. Right. Okay. And um, as per the core standards, we'd be looking for three examples of this, of this training. Yeah, so if we had three orientation records and something to show that they were trained in fire extinguishers, that would help. And, mm -hmm. and just some context to what was provided, it would, it would help a lot with it. Um, it. It is a fairly straightforward question. Most uh, most clients do get uh, that one, and it's only worth the one mark. Mm -hmm. But um, just keep in mind, it is based on legislation. So if you haven't uh, had many people trained in fire extinguishers, that you may want to back it up with the emergency response plan and that, hey, everyone is trained in fire extinguishers yeah. uh, through their orientation process, and then you can provide sampling of that. Okay, good. 11.8, uh, are fire extinguishers regularly inspected and maintained? So before we jump into this, I just want to point out this is another question that has uh, two parts to it. Uh, so we're talking about fire extinguishers being irregularly inspected and fire extinguishers being regularly maintained. Yeah, so um, 
again, it's it's almost like a four-point question now because we've got the documentation. We're looking for something that says we've inspected and maintained the fire equipment, mm -hmm. and then we have an observation portion as well. So. Sure. Um, it, it does mention in the construction regs about uh, the fire extinguishers being inspected at least once a month, but we also have other legislation that talks about the maintenance of um, the fire extinguishers. So the maintenance could be done on an annual basis, and I, and I believe there's other schedules such as uh, six years and 12 years uh, where they're doing different testing on the fire extinguishers to make sure they maintain their pressure tests and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's... Um, and from just my notes as we were going through this was maintenance. Um, and for example, the annual inspection of the fire extinguishers is routinely forgotten in the question. And it may be one of those where we are fire extinguishers regularly inspected. Okay, I got it. Mm -hmm. But the full question is inspected and maintained. So you may have observations of the fire tags being inspected monthly. Great, that'll answer part of the question. But then we're looking for the maintenance of it. Uh, sometimes we could see in the pictures that are provided, maybe there's a collar on the top where it would be punched. Right. You can't tell the year that it was done. Um, invoices usually work pretty good for this. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes as well, when we're looking at the observation techniques, we're, we're not getting full context. And maybe uh, January, February, March, we did monthly inspections. And then we did another one in June. Then we did September, October, November. Uh, we're, so we're, are we doing them monthly? So when we look at these, just keep those in mind uh, that the, the tags we look at, sometimes the pictures don't support the question, but the full context of the question inspected and then maintained is uh, an important part. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I definitely would uh, see what you're saying there. Um, you know, people submitting three samples of regular inspections, which is great, but it's only part of the part of the question. So definitely looking for that uh, other portion of, uh, you know, the annual maintenance. Um, okay, so 11.9, is all other emergency response equipment regularly inspected and maintained? Okay, so um, for this one in particular, I, I go back to question 11.1 and I take a look at your emergency response plan just to see, according to the ERP, what equipment might be required. So again, we, were, we talked earlier about fall, um, uh, fall rescue training or confined space rescue training. So what equipment might be required as part of the program to be inspected mm -hmm. and then what is the criteria for your inspection and keep in mind again this question is built into that csa standard as well mm -hmm. it, um, and other questions so when uh, so some clients are sending in well here's our fire extinguisher inspection that we just gave you for question 11.8 it's like all other emergency response equipment oh we're going to send in first aid well, all other because these are other questions that we're going to ask throughout the core audit. Right. So what else in, in terms of emergency response needs to be inspected and has it been inspected? Right. Yeah. I find that um, there's often no mention of other uh, emergency response equipment and people just, you know, again, reiterate the fire extinguishers and the first aid kits. So, you know, of course, every company is unique in, in what they actually need for their emergency response equipment. But this question is really asking for those other uh, types that your your company is using, right? Yeah, so if, if there was something for cleaning up spills, hey, it would make sense that maybe you have um, uh, eyewash available. And mm -hmm. if the eyewash is available, then it should be inspected on a, on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, it does mention defibrillator in the, um, in the guideline for this. Mm -hmm. But but again, I, I know a very few construction sites that have defibrillators. Mm -hmm. But if that is the case, 
perfect. Uh, send us something in. Otherwise, look back to your ERP and see okay, what is required mm-hmm. um, for it. And then just follow that through with without any context. And then this is where I, I do link those together because uh, if your ERPs do have some context to it, okay, what would be in there? And again, for the auditors, what, what are we taking a look at? So, and it is all other emergency response equipment. Right. Okay. Um, so the next question here starts off with um, have appropriate emergency response resources and equipment been made available, including um, first aid station and facilities and supplies? Okay, so this one's uh, an observation question. So when we take a look at this as, as an employer or auditing, do we have access to this requirement? Well, what did we what did we observe out there? So first aid station facilities and supplies. Um, now you can't provide detail for this, but I just want to point out that um, several times uh, for this, that the first aid regulation may be under the duty of the constructor. So there, there is under regulation 1101, or sometimes subcontractors might not necessarily have responsibility for the first aid uh, qualified first aid personnel or the first aid station supplies, mm-hmm. but their observation note would help satisfy saying, hey, at the sites we went to at Scott's Constructors, right. they had a uh, first aid room, they had the supplies there. Um, at our office, we had relevant supplies there as well. And then you may want to include, because um, sometimes when we get the pictures, so I found a first aid kit that's one to five uh, people and they have to hold the bag in their hand. But for the sites that we're seeing in the office, we, we know that there's the, the there's other requirements over five. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be over the 16. Uh, you may have the requirements for the uh, stretchers there as well. So um, one other common thing that might come up as well is um, as you're going through the core audit, Sometimes these three questions, 1110, 1111, and 1112, they're missed. And um, as they're scrolling across, they go, okay, we answered nine questions. That's it for that element. So just keep in mind, too, as you're going through, make sure you slide all the way to the left or right and up or down as you go through. Because uh, over the years, this page um, has come up as problematic because it's just been forgotten, hasn't been filled in, and there's no comments. Okay. Um, so you, t- you kind of touched a little bit on uh, 11.11 when you mentioned the first aid personnel. So can you uh, expand on that one? So again, in Regulation 1101, uh, just so people are aware that under Section 15, um, if there's a general contractor there or a constructor, uh, the constructor is responsible for maintaining uh, the qualified first aid personnel there. Mm-hmm. But then you have to take a look back as well. So you can either provide documentation of your own personnel that are qualified first aiders, or in your observation notes, you may note that, hey, this uh, on these sites, that's a responsibility of, of someone else. But uh, I just want to go back to as an employer, um, what is your responsibilities? Uh, we're seeing quite a bit of um, emergency first aid training that may or may not cover the or adequately cover the amount of people that uh, they work with. So you may be a large contractor, and we have routinely 20, 30 people in our groups, but we're taking the uh, the wrong type of training for things. So we may comment back on there as well. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what did you observe? Or, um, or again, you can provide just the documentation, and we'd look for three samples of show us qualified pers- uh, personnel, and hopefully uh, they haven't been expired. Right. Okay. Um, and last question for this element is 11.12. Is there provision for transporting an injured 
worker to a hospital or medical facility. Yeah, so we, uh, again, if we go back into the legislation, there is a requirement for this. Um, and hopefully the employers are able to uh, remember that there are two va validation techniques for this. So a lot of times we see, oh, you know, interviews were positive, but mm -hmm. it does ask for the observation as well. So uh, again, we're just looking for some positive responses to it. What did you see on site? Yes, we have uh, company vehicles available for transportation of, of any workers. Um, you may provide a couple pictures of the vehicles uh, or um, they'll say, well, 911 takes care of that. Um, so it's 911 not, not necessarily part of, it is, a, it is a strong part of the emergency response plan, but it's, it's um, to pr provide professional help. And what we're looking for is, what do you guys have in place in the event of an emergency? So uh, back to my comment about there is the city of Toronto where we have all kinds of stuff available, mm -hmm. uh, but it, there's still a requirement to have that provision in place because it is talking about the province of Ontario and you may work in other locations where you not don't have readily accessible um, first aid responders or firefighters or those type of things. Mm -hmm. So what help. is your company's plan? Yeah, and yeah. basically, did we did we observe this? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we made it through all the emergency response questions, and uh, we just want to, before we wrap up, just ask if you have any final thoughts or any comments uh, remaining for this element. I, I, you can probably tell us. I, I do like this element. Um, there, there is quite a bit in here, uh, but it's it's a lot of just thought and preparation for what might happen on sites. And uh, just taking a look at your own plan, going back and going, are we prepared for these type of things and who's responsible for it? So if, um, if anybody's has some questions about it, um, I'm, I'm sure Stacy and the others have talked about this is that we are available. Uh, give us a call. Maybe we can walk you through a little bit of, of how to format your uh, emergency response plan. that would be successful going through core, but more importantly, be successful for your company moving forward. Um, and through business and, and your other relationships that you have out there, because the more prepared you are for events on site, mm -hmm. um, or uh, they're just like looking at, we have a delay on site for our production. Well, what's our backup plan? Mm -hmm. What are we doing to mitigate that? So yeah. uh, I look at it the same sort of way as just the more prepared we are, uh, the less we need to use our emergency response plan. For sure. And you know what? Everything, everything else that we talk about in safety is, you know, in order to prevent you know something uh, prevent us needing this element right like it's uh everything we do inspections everything like that is to prevent accidents from happening but what do we do and are we prepared if it comes down to the fact that it does happen right preparation's key yeah. <laughs> um, and hopefully you never have to use it and uh but again for the auditors going out there what might happen mm -hmm. what have you heard happening and I just pay attention to the news where hey confined spaces aren't the nice friendly spots uh, they should be or working from heights mm -hmm. same kind of deal and we have very confident people they're never going to fall but what happens when do. somebody does yeah. or, or they're they're hanging there what do we do mm -hmm. again the adrenaline takes over uh people all want to help but they might not be following the prepared plan that you made that makes sure. sense and it's very, very uh, easily put into place. For sure. You want to follow in them. Okay, thanks Scott, so much for coming in. I appreciate it. No problem, Stacey, anytime. And we'll talk to you in another episode. <laughs>
the IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.